Like I feel after most games this season. <laughs> okay, hold on. <laughs> apparently, this is going to happen again. So, apparently, I started that show muted, which is not my fault because <laughs> stupid OBS selected the wrong mic. I don't know how that happened because I went in right before he started and put it on the right mic, and it defaulted back to another one. So, welcome to Game Game Over Montreal, everybody. The audio issues are a serious issue. So for those watching right now, I know that we've, we had some complaints over the last couple shows that the audio is a little bit quiet. Okay. So my focus has been to try to get the audio equalized between the zoom input and my mic, which is a little bit louder. So that's been kind of the struggle, but for everybody watching, let me know if I need to turn up the audio. I turned it up a little bit for both the input and my mic. For this show so if it's still too quiet let me know in the comments and i will jack it up a little bit until we get some interference and then people can say turn it down but uh, yeah so uh to introduce everybody again nicola nicholas cloutier or nicola yes. and yeah, noah bashir two great people we're going to be talking about the habs tonight and uh what they keep on doing to their fan base which is destroy oh, them from the inside out <laughs> Breaking my heart. They're breaking my heart. <laughs> I'm, yeah, it's it's kind of sad to watch. And uh, me and Andrew uh, were talking about it uh, before going live. This has to be their worst start in history, like statistically. And they're not that bad of a team. I, I mean, on paper, I wouldn't say like they're a crazy good team. They're pretty bland, pretty average, but they're playing like some <laughs> expansion teams back in the day right now, which doesn't actually make sense yeah it, it doesn't and like you look at uh like jay fresh hockey who's a friend of the show posted his like uh expected goals outcomes so far yeah. this season and the, i think the canadians were slaughtered in 19th and like 19th isn't good it's not a playoff team but it's not three and ten bad like this is pretty crazy and i think that it's very difficult when you're a fan to look at what's happening and to not just see red you know what i mean and not the team colors just like blind rage because everything seems to be going wrong nothing really is working out except for like nick suzuki is finally red hot but often there's yeah there's more here that's good than people think and they're like doesn't mean they're a good team but there are some things that are going right and like we we talked about hoffman in the chat while we were watching the game he's been great He's been fun yep. to watch. One of the few guys who's actually like interesting to watch. He was good but, tonight. I don't like he didn't accomplish what they needed him to in the end, but I thought he was good. No, he was. He was good. I guess the thing is they they aren't they aren't as bad as their record says, but here's the thing. Like why did they keep if if they would just embrace the badness for a couple of seasons and rebuild and I've been screaming this from the rooftops for like, I feel like 10 years now. I don't know. They keep 
insisting on trying to be good and all they come out with is mediocre, just rebuild this whole restart, retool, refresh. It doesn't work. Just rebuild the team. For well, well, what I would say, Noha, is it, it starts from the top and Jeff Molson doesn't give his approval for a rebuild to Mark Bergevin. He gives his approval for a retool or a reset or whatever you want to call it. But uh, a GM in Montreal doesn't get an approval for a rebuild. So that's what happens right here. And the issue right now with tanking this entire season, I think, is, is disappointing because you're wasting entry-level years of Cole Caulfield, of uh, Nick Suzuki, uh, who's gonna, whose contract is going to kick in next year. Uh, or Alex Romanov, for that matter, he's not that good right now, but still. So you're, you're wasting those years, and those years are so valuable for a team. Uh, and I don't, I don't know if it's a good idea in these circumstances to tank. But at this point, I mean, it sounds like the, the right course of action. Well, but what's the difference? Like, if you're trying to tank or if you're not trying to tank, like, you may as well... start winning. Yeah, yeah, they don't even have to try to tank. That's, that's a good point. No, I, I can already see what's going to happen. Like, you can read it in the stars, right? Is Carrie Price is going to come back. Oh, yeah, like another you bet. Stretch, and he's going to be healthy, mentally healthy, focused. And he's going to play, like, 2014, 2015. Carrie Price put up, like, a 940 save percentage. And they're going to finish, like, three points outside the playoffs and get a terrible pick. And yeah. uh, everyone will be And, and really then we'll upset. just be right back here yeah. next year. Well, well you know what? You know what, Renaud, uh, Renaud Lavoie from uh, TVA said something interesting. Uh, I think it was a week ago. He said, well, uh, of course, uh, Price doesn't score goals, but the team is just that different when he's on the ice. So I think the Canadians would have scored more goals with Thierry Price instead of Jake Allen. And it's no offense to Jake Allen, but he doesn't inspire that much confidence to this team. Uh, that, I mean, if I would be a defenseman, if I would have been a, a abs defenseman tonight, I wouldn't felt like really confident knowing he is behind me. I, I'm sorry, but he looks pretty shaky. He doesn't look composed. He, don't, he doesn't have the horror that Price has. Price, when he's on this game, just looks like he's going to stop every damn puck. And you don't see that happening with Jake Allen. So you're right, Andrew. When Kira Price comes back, I think a lot of issues might be corrected. And they might actually start winning games, which will be pointless and would hurt the house future. Yeah, yeah it's year after year. <laughs> that's kind of the one of the worst things about the NHL, really, is that if you're a team that needs to rebuild you actively have to, or not have to, but you actively feel compelled to root against your own players being good, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't want your team yeah. to win down the stretch. It, like, that's a terrible feeling, and it's a terrible way to reward. Like, that's kind of not where we really need to go in this show, but it is terrible to think that, like, there could be some joy in this season with Carey Price coming back, and if he plays spectacularly, we're, we're all talking what-ifs, yeah. right? But if that ends up ruining the potential what, of a top-five pick... But I don't think, I think there's another way to look at this because, because the Habs are so obsessed with trying to squeak into the playoffs. Like, I don't know what year we're on and, and Andrew, we were talking about this a few days ago, right? They're on like year 10 of Bergevin's five-year plan, right? So every year, well, we'll just make it into the playoffs and we'll see what happens. So, <clears throat> and his approach for making it into the playoffs, squeaking in is to get a bunch of you know, third or fourth line guys and journeyman defensemen and play them at the expense of the kids. So 
These guys don't actually have any upside. They might be technically safer as far as he's concerned. They don't make any glaring mistakes, but the upside on them doesn't exist either. So if they actually, instead of saying, like if all they did to rebuild was give the kids the ice time and let them play and let them develop and let them make mistakes and then send them back out onto the ice for the next shift and the shift after that, instead of giving all that ice time to the I don't know, like the, the, the guys who are just someone to plug a hole and aren't who you're going to build your team around, where would they be? Where will they be two or three years from now? And if they'd done that two or three years ago and so on and so forth, like they just keep bringing in, I, other than Corey Perry, I'm trying to remember who else they brought in in recent years that was just like a plug who was really impactful. I, I guess maybe, I, it depends on if you consider maybe Joel Edmondson a plug. Yeah, right. Because I think I I considered him to be not a very good signing last year, but I thought there was potential if he played with Petrie to have a decent season. But I didn't think that he could have the season that he had last yeah. year. Like he was yeah, exactly. legitimately really excellent. And I think his yeah. like the first stretch that he had with Petrie wasn't very good. Like it was actually like the worst numbers that Petrie had posted in his entire career. <laughs> and then they kind of figured each other out. And Edmondson realized that if he just made quick decisions and made simple choices and deferred to Petrie a lot, things would be really safe. And from that point on, they were excellent together. So, so I guess, but in terms of uh, finding guys, like, I guess for, if you're looking at plugging holes, you're looking at guys signed like for one or two years, right? Not like the four year deals they keep handing out to these uh, journeyman defensive defensemen. I mean, that to me speaks to a confidence level in those players that I just wouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> right? But yeah, you know, we're talking about like all those negative things, but the fact is the abs played a pretty good game tonight. And yeah. that's what's so frustrating. Like the, the power play was good. Uh, the puck movement was great, was crisp. Um, uh, Vegas broke down so many times uh, during this game. The abs had like so many opportunities to win this game and to close it out, but they just find ways to lose and that's the thing if you're Dominique Ducharme right now I I mean I don't know what I what's his next move what's his next move will be because you've done kind of everything to win the game but you can't close it out and uh, all the bounces are not going your way so how do you like keep the players motivated after all this yeah that's that's like a tough thing and I feel like I've got on Ducharme a lot during this season and a lot of times last season when things like weren't going well and I find he's a coach that doesn't adjust well during games uh his hesitancy to use timeouts really frustrates me but in terms of this game like what do you try to fix right the first goal like I know it deflected off of Jeff Petrie but whenever you're beat from far out short side That's on Jake Allen, right? He's got to close that hole. Third goal, same thing. He was screened, but it's short side from way out. It's not even a scoring chance. Exactly. And then the The third was the worst, though. The the second goal was a chaotic pinball. Yeah, yeah. Second goal. Second goal goal was insane. (laughs) You can't really. Part of this is how snake bit they are, right? Like it's it's a combination of things. They started off so well, but I feel like we see this, not this season but I felt like we saw this a fair amount last year is like yeah. they can start off really well, but really they don't true. get out to the lead that you would have thought they'd get out to with yes. that kind of start. Yes. And then, and Nicholas, you said it perfect. Like th- as soon as they get scored on, they panic and they're yes. so yep. fragile. They're so fragile. And that's partially the not having price back there for oh, yeah. sure. Oh yeah. I think and yeah, Weber too. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not having <laughs> yeah. another like top four defenseman just for facts mm-hmm. like they only have one 
They only have yeah, and when, yeah, and when I say everything is going bad, I say literally everything. Okay, Dvorak gets like a Porsche breakaway at the end of the game, and yeah. somehow Leonard trips him. He goes like full Ashek, no penalty. So that that was that was a goal. If Leonard like doesn't pull that off, I think that could have been a goal. And I mean, just Leonard just pulls it off uh, to no penalty. So I mean, everything, like everything, every circumstance, name it. It goes against the Canadians in some way. Uh, Duchamp takes a pretty, uh, makes a pretty gutsy call. He uh, he takes his goalie up the ice pretty early uh, in the third period, uh, relatively speaking. And, and I think analytically, it makes a lot of sense because you you want to. I mean, you have to score a goal at some point. So even if you uh, if you get scored on, I mean, you're gonna you're lose. Gonna so. lose. Yeah, yeah, just go for it. And that that was a pretty sound decision in my eyes. But I mean, it backfired on him like so hard. I mean, like they won the face off. Yeah, it could not have gone worse. So I don't know, man. I don't even know what to say at this point. Yeah, it's like they chose the right players to be on the ice. I think you could say yeah. like they won the face off. They got it to the boards, which is a safe spot. Put it back to the point and it just manages to hop over Weidman's stick. And he's yeah. caught flat footed. It's just like feel- comedy. of. It's not even a comedy of errors. I think that's what's the most frustrating for Canadians fans watching this game is it wasn't a comedy of errors. They had mm-hmm. some points where like they had a few defensive breakdowns. I think in that second goal, you watch like David Savard tripped himself kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And then Brett Kulak had a chance to clear the puck and he fanned on it. And it just kind of went back up to the point softly and let Vegas reset. But overall for a 60 minute game, they didn't make a lot of mistakes. It's just that everything that went wrong no, ended right. back in the net and it was kind of the same thing against the islanders who i thought they played not nearly as well as tonight mm-hmm. but they played a decent game through at least the first 40 minutes against the islanders and again everything that went wrong went in the back of the net yeah and i i don't put a lot of blame on allen for the islanders game i think every like chance that they got was spectacular but i think there are points during games in this season especially at the beginning of the season when like the early goals kept on happening, those moments, I think price is a calming presence to the team that might've changed a few things. You know what I mean? Either that goal doesn't go in or the goal goes in and he just like price is there. You know, he's like, calm down. We can settle this a little bit. And it's not to say that they would be in a playoff position. Right. But you could have an even record. Yeah, That's something it wouldn't be at this point. <laughs> it could be still a semi enjoyable season, which frankly yeah. it hasn't been. It's like to search for positives. You're looking at individual players. And you know what? It in the interest of that, let's talk about Nick Suzuki a little bit. Because man, that guy, he had a slow start and now he's yeah. ripping it up. Oh, yeah, he's pretty great right now. Well, the thing is, Nick Suzuki, in some stretches of play, I mean, he's a he's a high hockey IQ guy, okay? He's not going to beat you with his feet. Uh, so what happens is uh, in some stretches of play, he tends to overthink sometimes on the ice. But now he's, he's, it's, he seems like he's just playing freely, and you really see him reap the rewards on the ice. I feel like Suzuki, it's a, like you said it earlier to um, in another or in a few of the uh, previous shows, Andrew, that like the, the jitters, the new contract jitters were definitely kicking in and he has to get his confidence. And so once he starts playing well, and I think this is why I really harp on like, if the kids make a mistake, it doesn't matter. Just put them back out there. And I feel like Suzuki's gotten the benefit of that doubt. And I wish they do it 
um, you know, with others. I'm, I'm glad they sent Caulfield down for now. And I hope that when he comes back, he gets the same benefit where he's on again and again, because if you make a mistake and you go back out there, like these are good players, they're going to recover. They're going to come back and play well, just give them the chance to get like, not be in their head so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple of points made in the chat here, people are saying the injuries this season are overwhelming. It's true. Like Druin out takes away a ton of their playmaking ability. Yes. Uh, Edmondson on top of losing Weber is just, it's a huge blow. Gallagher's playing very clearly injured. Suzuki, like Suzuki's also day to day. They're right. Price out to start the year, which is combination injury and being in the player mm-hmm. assistance program. And uh, there was a question asking if price returns Monday. Yes, technically, but he has to pass a physical. Then yeah. he's got to get into training and like, it could still possibly be like a, a month even before yeah, he's a in month. practice. Yeah, he's so, going to need time. The abs are not going to rush him. No. That's Especially with sure. how... The, the, that's, you know, let's look at positives. The way this season's gone, they don't have to rush him. Yeah, right? yeah. Nothing's <laughs> exactly. on the line. Yeah. And I think, I think that the injuries, like, I, I hope the players take as long as they need to to heal up. And sometimes it comes back to, to haunt you, but, um, like, all those injuries. But you can't point at some of those some of that is self-inflicted like yes. again weber you knew weber was gonna like weber's been injured for how long you knew yeah. that any every team gets hit with injuries you could have kept Deno. like you can't vegas blame it all on the injuries it's a this is a badly managed team i'm sorry but it's a badly managed well, team yeah and i think of myself like in a workplace because i'm not an athlete i can't do any of that stuff but when you work somewhere and the people who make the decisions are bad at their jobs and they reward stuff that doesn't make sense and they punish stuff that doesn't make sense and there's no consistency, <laughs> like, how are you going to... Ducharme getting a three-year contract uh, on that yeah. hot playoff run. How? Why? Like, well, like, well, he, he, I mean, the team made the, the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, I can I can understand why he's a young no, coach. No. You need See, him because, to stick around for a while. He wants stability. But but why? How do you know? Like, first of all, and I, I said this a lot last year. I, I, kept, I kept going on um, radio shows because I was the fan who the whole time was saying they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Not because I want them to lose, but because I was convinced they were going to lose every round. I was like. Toronto's going to crush us. Winnipeg's going to crush us. Vegas is going to crush us. I just never believe they're going to win. And because they've broken my heart so many times before. And then even when they got to the final, I was like, look, I want them to win, but they're not going to. And they're going to be horrible next year. Yeah. And they're horrible this year. Like you can, everybody's seen hot runs. Like we saw it with the Sens years ago. We saw it with Edmonton years ago. Those teams didn't stay contenders. You can tell the difference between a hot run and a real contender. Yeah. I I mean, I don't want to like entirely defend everything that Bergevin did, but I still think you didn't have it easy. Your team just made the Stanley Cup finals and you lose so many pieces and you can just say to the fans, well, uh, this year is not going to be it. We're going to thank. So no, he tried to patch them all the best he could, but I mean, how do you replace where Bergevin one off season? You just can't. Uh, I mean, the no situation, maybe that was badly managed. I can give you that. But the, the thing is, uh, he signed Hoffman. That was a pretty good signing. That and was. he did his best, really, to patch the holes. Uh, 
So, uh, and the thing, but the thing is, when you knew Weber was not going to come back, you had to ask yourself, do I change the identity of this defensive team? Yes. Like, do I change the identity of the blue line now that we don't have like Weber's swagger back there? I think it was time to do that, but you didn't really see it. You see the same kind of immobile defense that's, that really sucks in the regular season. And it's kind of good in the playoffs when you can do pretty much everything. <laughs> you can pretty much rip someone's no head yeah. off. And yeah. So uh, that's what happened. I, I think they need to move on from Ben Sherratt. I think they have to think about it. They have to consider it because the, uh, at the trade deadline, after the trade deadline, if he's still with the team, I don't think they manage it well. He's going to be a UFA, I think. So they need to think about it. Yeah, this is something like I thought that I always find with Bergevin, there are times where I'm convinced that he's he's got it. You know what I mean? Like he's like he's he finally gets yeah. it. You know, like he understands yeah. where to go, what the plan is, and then he's like, "No, I don't actually. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna go all in on this really bad yeah, thing." He's like, confusing Paul. What? Yeah. Like, do you remember uh, years ago when he like when he first traded for Petrie, right? And then he had yeah. like Nathan Bullion when he was actually a good prospect, right? And he was playing mm-hmm. more mobile defenseman instead of trying to be the beat him up guy. And he acquired like Mark Barbario, who was like a super underrated yeah. local kid who came in and he was playing really well. And like, okay, he's really going heavy on the mobile defenseman. Then he's like Douglas Murray. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then they're like it. rolling Douglas Murray in the playoffs. And you're like, seriously? Yeah. And they That's get outshot like 40 to 16 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. He has some really, really bizarre moments. Like this year in the playoffs when he acquired like Steve Ott, Martinson, Dwight King, like to to fill up his fourth line and it really backfired, like didn't work at all. He he has some like crazy periods where he just does things that confuses the hell out of you. But somehow the next month he's going to make this genius move that is applauded by the analytics community so he's a very tough act to follow i do think he's a very good talent evaluator he knows how to scout guys but sometimes he doesn't know what to look for that's yeah i thing. think he's how to develop guys though yeah, that's uh, i mean that is, that's oh, not really his job God. to develop them though but he does hire the staff that does the development so yeah yeah i think their philosophy to de- towards development is the big issue more than like i yeah. mean the staff but like bergevin's personal involvement right but like the philosophy of the organization you compare it to the toronto where it's like they have a coach for everything right they have a skating coach they have skills coaches they have workshops for the young kids that they work on like their strengths and their weaknesses to v- develop things and the canadians are kind of like if you're going to make the nhl show us yeah, you know, and it's like on your own, it's, yeah. it's you, it's on you. Yeah, and guys like Gallagher, of course they make it because they were always gonna make it, right? Yeah. They're always gonna be what they were because he's the guy who's gonna work through every mm-hmm. single thing. He's got that never say die attitude, and you love those guys, but you also have to develop the guys who might not make it with a help without a helping hand, right? Like who have Galchenics, maybe some elite maybe? scoring. Yes, some Galchenics, yeah. a guy who needs that support, who needs. Uh, not just support in like a hockey sense, but like an off the ice sense, right? Like all those guys, you need to be able to give as many chances as possible. I mean, if I just look at Romanov, uh, first game in the NHL last year, he comes in, he's decisive with the puck, he moves it really well, uh, stretched fast to Tomas Tatar, who scores on the breakaway. I mean, I thought he looked terrific uh, during his first game, but I, I, I mean, you actually saw him regress throughout the year. 
and he's he's been even worse this year. So that's not development, that's regression. Uh, I mean, how does that work? And yes, Perry Kotkaniemi, I remember like his first games in the NHL, he was so dynamic, making plays, showing his vision. He looked like the next Barkov. And what happens? I mean, he kind of lost his, his swagger at some point. So you do have to wonder. I mean, Romanov, the, the big thing uh, Dusham insists on is, oh, he's so aggressive. Uh, he's too aggressive on the ice. He tries to be everywhere at the same time. Well, I would agree, but that's in his nature do you really want him to play against that nature because he's just going to be indecisive he's just going to hesitate and it, it's you're not going to be better off telling him that i would just say i mean try to do your best try to be try to use that energy on the ice uh and to uh, i mean to uh, to break up the play but you cannot tell him to play against his nature i think yeah there's a lot of square pegs and round holes in the organization yes. right yeah. and it's Instead of saying you're great at this, but let's focus a little bit on this to like round mm -hmm. out your game a little bit. It's like yep. we don't like the player that you are, <laughs> right? Like with Kokanen, no, yeah. why like, you draft him? Why yeah, you exactly. trade for him? Like they bring these guys yeah. in, and then they're like, now everything that you're good at, forget that. Do this instead. You're <laughs> yes. all little board players, and you should all play like this. Except for like you two, you get to be different, but everybody else like this. They cannot live with weaknesses. Just play around those weaknesses and focus on the strong elements of their of their game. Just accept the fact that there are going to be some weaknesses. If you want a perfect player, but well, chances are he's going to be bland if he has no weaknesses. He's going to be Christian Dvorak. And, and his upside is going to be here. Like yeah, exactly. This is the thing, right? They this they are so conservative. They're so conservative. They don't want anybody who's like okay, high risk, high reward. And honestly, I feel like in today's NHL, that gets you more success than the guys yeah. that have a very low ceiling, but they are obsessed with like, don't make any mistakes. Okay. But then you're also not going to score. And this is why mm -hmm. the pressure is on the goalie. Like, oh, the second the other team scores one goal, that's it. The Habs are out of it. Like, that's, yeah, how can you, how can you play under that pressure? Well, and that's kind and of the been fact, the feeling yeah. for how many seasons now? You know, like if yeah. they allow the first goal, it's like, oh, they can't come back now because they've got no scoring punch. And you yeah. look at like the additions that they've made, and it just seems like there's that like you you hope Caulfield becomes that guy, but they haven't really been that interested in acquiring more than one of those guys that can and actually add they, that punch. Yeah. Even when they do have Caulfield, did I mean they used him on the power play? He was on the ice but he was barely involved in the schemes that they were using on the ice, on the power play. I mean, it was pretty much Petrie shooting from the point and not even like <laughs> barely, barely looking at him. It was so frustrating. And the fact that they didn't even entertain the idea of playing both Caulfield and Hoffman, the old two minutes of the power play. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm just... I'm just kind of shocked that they didn't even entertain the idea. It's not like your power play is clicking right now. So when they add Caulfield, they did. They never did it. I mean, it shocks me, really. I don't understand why they would not even entertain that idea. Yeah, yeah it is weird. Your power play has been horrible for how many years? And you've yeah. got a guy who's like an amazing shooter, like a sniper, basically. And then, no, that's yeah. no, no, just not going to use him. Not going to, let's just stick, keep it to the point, even when we don't have the guy who shoots it from the point. Yeah. Although, I've... to be fair, today's power play yes. did not look like that for the first yes. time that I've seen in ever. Mm -hmm. so. <laughs>
Well, yeah, they, they had some interesting action. I like uh, how they used that guy on the goal line. Uh, the puck moved. Uh, the puck moved laterally uh, instead of just like, uh, oh yeah, yeah, just take this puck down, just bring it back to the I, point. I love I'll how low the bar is, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the puck moved laterally, laterally, and it was below the face-off circle. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we've got Andrew. Uh, I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, they they did look good on the power play though that tonight. Legitimately, I, it's it's one of those games where like Robin Leonard was good. The bounces were horrible, and I think there was like three different empty nets where they just roofed it over. I think S- oh, Savard yeah. had one in the first. I know Toffoli had another one. And I think there was another one as well. Maybe Hoffman. Well, Gallagher had a great chance too at yep. the end of the second. Then I he just shot right into. Uh, Leonard's pads. It's one yep. of those situations where it's like in that moment, you're the wrong handedness, right? If he was a lefty, yeah. he could have just easily tucked it around. But yeah, Evans Evans missed a good rebound, like a nice big juicy yeah. rebound. Yeah, on Mike Hoffman's shot. Yeah, it's it's like and, and this is one of those frustrations where especially when you have some injuries, right? Like and they do have some injuries. We have to talk about like that's just a difficult situation. But the whole scoring depth thing that they had at the beginning or that they thought they had coming into the season. Like when you're down a goal and you've got two minutes left and Jake Evans is on the ice, no <laughs> offense to Jake Evans, who I like, but should not be out in that situation. Yeah. And like, I've liked Hoffman so far this year and I understand what they're trying to do with uh, flipping Evans onto that line and Dvorak down a line and even strength. I think it's a waste because you look at that the the last game and they didn't spend the whole game together because they made that decision to flip Dvorak down a line. But that Evans Lekin and Armia line is a perfect fourth line. Unfortunately, they have to be the third line right now, but they are a killer forechecking line that just like eats time like crazy. And they were fantastic in the playoffs. I thought Ducharme was really smart for reuniting them. And like uh, when everyone was health, well, not everyone, but when there was enough health in, in the lineup, I thought Ducharme's uh, decision to uh, unite Suzuki and Gallagher was also really smart. Like he's made yep. some yeah. really good decisions so far this season. Uh-huh. It's just that still nothing works. And I, I don't feel it like sucks. it's on Ducharme. Like I'm saying I, yeah. To clarify, when I said, like, why would you give him a three-year extent? I don't Yeah, yeah, I get that. It's not a get. Ducharme might be fine. It's more uh-huh. that, like, they they seem like they've already made up their minds about mm-hmm. who's going to work, whether in coaching or playing, and who's not going to work before they actually give those guys a chance to do what they're going to do. So, like, I don't think this mess of a season is on Ducharme. I think it's on Bergman. I think I've thought everything's on Bergman for years, and... Nicholas, I get your point about like he tried in in the off season, like in a year to replace, mm-hmm. but he's been the GM for what ten years, so I don't yeah. think he can lay it at anyone else's feet at this point. Whatever it is, yeah, and he's that's the thing with Weber, right? Oh, sorry, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you there. But with, with Weber, like we talk about, it's impossible to replace him in one off season, <laughs> and it is legitimately it is. It's but not, like you yeah. brought up earlier, Noah. Who knows about Weber's injury history more than the Montreal Canadiens do? They deal with it every training camp. They're the ones who are probably supplying him medication to get him through these games. Like people talk about his pain tolerance all last year, the last two years, really. You see media talking about Shea Weber's incredible pain tolerance. And it's like, "Mm, what? Why are they talking about that all the time? (laughs) It's like, because the guy can barely move, you know, until he gets maybe a cortisone shot in that foot. So they had time. 
to either attempt to draft and develop somebody in five years or yep. make a move within those last five years to replace Shea Weber. They didn't do it. There was, I mean, I don't want to say they didn't try because they could have tried behind the scenes and not found a deal, but they definitely failed. And on that, like Bergevin just has to sit, you know, like there's, there's no way out of it. No. Yeah. yeah that, that, that's on him. And the development part of it uh, a bit, I, I mean, I said, he's not like his work is not to develop players. I mean, that's on the staff, but I mean, it's still on him because he can make some things to like stir things up and change things. But um, although we talked about Sean personal decisions, so I wanted to touch on that. Um, I was pretty bummed that uh, that Drouin was uh, was a, a scratch again tonight because I'm really curious about how he can fit in at center. And the, in the the short sample we saw before he left the game, I actually liked him at center. I thought he could do some good things, and uh, we talk uh, in our in our conversation uh, during the the game on uh, on how how um, Dvorak game is pretty bland. How he doesn't have like enough uh, offensive talent maybe to uh, to fit as a second center. But well, can Drouin fill that spot? That I mean, that would that would help for sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested in seeing anything that Duran can do right now because I just think he's a bit of a changed player. You can see mm-hmm. there's just energy with him. And I thought even last season, at least to start the year, was the best hockey that he'd played with the Montreal Canadiens at that point. Like, just his reads defensively. I know he wasn't scoring mm-hmm. goals, but, like, his reads were fantastic. And he was always Absolutely. a really terrible defensive player. And I think he's continued that this year. And he's brought a lot more offensive pop at even strength than he has before. There's still mm-hmm. limitations to his game. Uh, we've talked about before, about like uh, he kind of struggles to create off the rush because he likes to go wide. And instead of continue driving down yeah. and finding a passing lane, he pulls up on the half boards. And sometimes he can catch guys and kind of find a streaking player. But if you don't create that lane and everyone knows that you're going to stop up at the half boards, they just stop <laughs> up with you and then take the puck away because yeah. they're like the defense right. is stronger than you. And that's what happens often with him. But overall, like I've really liked Duran's game. His creativity through the middle of the ice is something that the Canadians probably need, right? They so, don't have that. Yeah. No, they don't. I they, like they the line of Duran with Dvorak and Anderson, but I'm at this point, you got to try ev- anything, right? Yep. Yeah. That's they the do. time to try. They do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what are you going to lose? What are you going to lose? More games? Games, yeah. And they can afford to lose games, I guess. <laughs> yeah, feels like it. it, it it's I, rough. I, I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad for everyone who's, like, really emotionally invested, especially people who, like, kind of got their hope back during last year's playoffs. Because I think it's been a really tough few years for this organization right i think the fan base kind of fractured when they made their big weber suban trade and you saw that kind of follow through just based Uh on like online interaction you know like it just hasn't been as like the high points haven't hit as high there was got a little bit of it with radulov right but since then it hasn't really like there hasn't been a lot of belief in what the team is doing what like the direction they're going people like liked weber obviously he was great but the whole team, as it, st- as it stood, it was like too modeled on that one style, right? Yeah. And last year, obviously, things went crazy because they <clears> went to the Stanley Cup final for the first time since 1993. And then to just have this like a, like a curb stomp on top of the curb stomp that was the Stanley Cup final is just like rubbing your face in it. Like, actually, there's no hope. And they're probably not even going to get a good pick this year because they traded that top pick to the 
Arizona Coyotes, you know, like. So, so everyone's coming over to my pessimistic dark side is what you're saying. You know, <laughs> through all the playoffs, yeah. um, as much as like I, like, and I completely, like I said, didn't believe I wanted them to win, but I didn't think they could every series. And my, my 10 year old was always like, you have to believe mama. And he's, this is like the most optimistic kid in the world who the second they will like get into the offensive zone, it's like, they're going to score. And I'm like, oh, you sweet porch like sweet sweet innocent child who thinks that you know they're good enough that they have a chance just because they've entered the zone I'm like they're just going to leave the zone again but um even him this season <laughs> he's lost hope after the playoffs and that's saying a lot that's like how bad it's been because that's grim yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. you never but, want the I mean, children to give up you know no. I think there's one person in Montreal that still believes in this team And oddly, it's Carey Price. When, when the Canadians were down uh, 3-1 to against the Leafs, there was one player that still believed in that team, and it was Carey Price. He said uh, he was rambling about uh, how the players scored on him, uh, on him often during practice. I mean, he knew they had talent and they would come back from this. He believed in it, and it actually happened. So, I mean, it's strange. Uh, Price can come back and change a lot of things, uh, I think, because he uh, still believes. I'm pretty sure he's going to be pretty, uh, pretty involved in those games. He's going to work pretty, pretty, pretty hard. And I think that's that kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Like, why wouldn't they commit to actually tanking? And I think while Weber was around and while Price is around and Price is still around, I think that becomes it's a very difficult choice. The when veterans, they're in their yeah. mid to late 30s, right? When you're like, yeah. can I you're gonna really... You're going to lose the veterans. Yeah. yeah, can I really go to this guy and say, I'm going to waste the rest of your career on a rebuild? Yeah. And I understand that hesitation from the Canadians, but at the same time, I feel like if you're going to say, we're going to try to like win it one last time for, Ber for, uh, for Weber and Price, mm -hmm. you have to go all in. And they haven't done that either. They've done a decent job stockpiling draft picks the last couple of years mm -hmm. and like their prospect pool is seemingly decent but again like outside of Caulfield there's not really a lot of there's no absolute potential dodge. yeah yeah so it's like how much are those picks really worth compared to yeah. actually going all in for Price and Weber and getting them that last that last real chance at yeah. a Stanley oh. Cup and it's one of those situations where like you cannot have your foot on both sides of the line. No. It just does not work. You can't, you have to be all in either rebuild the team or be competitive. And this idea of the Canadians just like straddling mediocrity yes. and just making the playoffs and, Oh, maybe something magical will happen. Something magical did happen, but magic doesn't last forever. Sometimes no, you I... have to go up against the Tampa Bay lightning and they've got that magic too. And they're also way better. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, um, I read a tweet by Connor McKenna, was either I can't remember yesterday today where he said the embarrassing thing about the Habs is that like compared to all the other teams that are playing really badly is they spent to the cap oh, like yeah. this is what yeah. this is what they like they tried to be good and this is where they ended up this year so this is why I'm saying I don't even mean rebuild like like commit to tanking but just instead of going and signing a bunch of middle of the range players like okay you need a couple of those hand the reins over to the kids and see what happens. It can't be worse than this is like it. I'm sorry. You're they're three and 10. Like it really, it can't be worse than this is how much worse is it going to be? Yeah. Uh, well, in this case, we might see a, a bit of Matthias Norlinder in the, 
the next few games. He's gonna he's gonna play uh, a game or two in Laval uh, for his uh, conditioning, but uh, pretty sure we might see him. It's not like Chris Weinman is on a roll right now and he's really king, uh, killing it. So they're gonna they're gonna test all the offensive D men they have in the system. Yeah, and uh, there was a comment on the not YouTube just a channel. Game or two. What? There was I'm a comment sorry? on the YouTube chat here saying that the extra magic that Tampa had was $20 million in extra salary. Like, it's <laughs> it's partially true. You know, they had the Kucherov thing, but part of that salary was dead salary, right? Like, I think they had... Yeah. It, was, it wasn't Marion Gabrick. I think he was in the Senators. But there was, like, a couple different dead contracts that they had that didn't impact anything at all. And also, the Canadians were over the cap last year in the playoffs, too. It's just that Drouin wasn't playing. Well, if you want to be that much over the cap, I guess you can you can draft Nikita Kucherov. I mean, just go ahead, just go ahead and do it. Well, while you can, yeah, just I mean, have those guys, and you're exactly, gonna be exactly. over the cap a lot. And and a we good talked, situation to be in. And we talked about the Lightning. It was either the last show or the one before. That like you want to talk about a team that does well scouting Quebec. Yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning do well scouting Quebec better than the Montreal yeah. Canadiens do. And actually, you know what I. It's it's unfair because I know uh, Nicola, you're the first uh, French Canadian. Yeah, I'm on the, the first show so far. To bring on, so I, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't want to bring up too much of the French content, but I have seen a oh, lot right. of stuff going around on social media lately yeah. that it bugs me. And mm-hmm. I'm saying this as somebody who was raised in Western Canada, whose French is yeah. terrible. But like the narrative surrounding the team of like, oh well, they only brought in. Like the stuff that's killing them is like bringing in like Paquette Thank you. and Savard. Thank you. It's such yes. garbage. And I'm so tired of it. And I wish this fan base wouldn't key on it. It's because not what's it's... bringing this team down. I mean, no. stop it. And I mean, I'm, I'm sensitive about the, the language issue because I mean, if you have like a family, a family in Rwanda, well, it's fair for them to want to understand the coach, to, to understand what the GM is. It's just a matter of respect to me. And I don't think we're at the point where there's like not enough good hockey guys in Quebec where that drags the team down. And we have good hockey players too in Quebec. Well, and I don't, I don't think you, you have to drop them all or uh, sign them all. Just, just make a conscious effort out of it and a reasonable effort. Just don't go over the top. And uh, I mean, there's some guys out there uh, on Twitter, obviously, that that want the team to be like uh, half French. Okay, and that's not reasonable. Just uh, just make a conscious effort out of it and scout extensively in the QMGHL and and it'll be just fine. Just find the diamonds in the rough. I feel like that's the least of the responsibility that you have. And this is a point that I made to Marc-Antoine Godin on Twitter was every single team that has the capacity to bring in local players that has a a local Mm -hmm. player pool tries to bring in local players. Ottawa is filled with people from like the Ottawa Valley. Like they, they always scout those guys. They always try to bring in those guys. You think Toronto doesn't try to bring in Torontonians. Why do you think Wayne Simmons was a big priority for them? Like the only reason it's such a focus in Montreal is because it's very clear when uh-huh. somebody is a francophone, right? You could tell from their name. You could tell from the way that they speak. For my so, thick accent, uh, yeah, for example, exactly. yeah. <laughs> and like we, I hear talk all the time, like, oh, well, they gotta go outside of this, like this French requirement mm-hmm. for the coach thing or the GM thing. And I understand it a tiny bit for the coaching because mm-hmm. it's a small pool of candidates, right? And you like, don't have a, a, that large of a pool, right. uh, and for GM position too. I mean, you don't have off top of my on the top of my head. I they, I'm not thinking of like too much candidates right now. Egg, they they even like uh, they they even bring up Daniel Briard, who's just recently started to like be a GM in the ECHL. 
Uh, there's Mathieu Darche. Uh, of course, the big name would be uh, Martin Madenfis, but otherwise, they, you don't have that. Too, you don't have too many names. I can, I can. Oh, we, uh, could, we could understand. lure Julien Prisbois. Yeah, <laughs> was, yeah back well, of the Brinks truck. They they had him just like they had the Guy Boucher back in the day. So yeah, they've yeah. made some mistakes with letting guys go. That's but yeah. I think like if I'm the coaching thing, I understand the idea of it because it's a small pool, but like. That's the one that I think is most important to speak French because you're meeting the media every day, like twice a day. You have to speak the language of the land. Now, yes. I think that if somebody was an Anglophone or from another country altogether, Europe, and they came in and they learned French on the fly, I don't think people would be upset. I think that would be no, fine. No, that would be fine. Yeah, if, if you make a conscious effort to... Uh... Uh, to learn French, uh, I mean, that's perfectly fine. Yeah. yeah. Now, and as far as the GM goes, my question always comes back to what's the more limiting fr- the more limiting factor for having a small pool of candidates? Is it that you want somebody who's able to speak French or is it that you want a former hockey player? <laughs> right. Like uh, what's yeah. actually your limiting factor there? I would say if you wanted yep find one of the better GMs in the game, find the next Julian Brisebois. He didn't play yeah. high level hockey. He's a lawyer. Well, the, the thing I, I, I could uh, tell you, Andrew, is that it helps with connections. If you're a former hockey player, like 100%. Mark Bergerbein, he pretty much knows everyone in the freaking game. He played for so many teams. So that helps if he knows, oh, this agent, oh, he, he played with that guy back in the days. Uh, so that helps for, for chemistry uh, when he negotiates. So these connections helped them in Montreal. But yeah, you, you, you can still have guys like Julien Brisebois uh, that, that didn't play uh, the game uh, at the pro level, at least. And they're just so smart that they compensate for it. Yeah, and well, I think and that's I think... what I want, right, is the smart yes. guy. And you can surround wow. yourself with hockey yeah. people, right? I want the best manager. Yeah, you're, you're right. You, you can surround can yourself find... with these guys. Yep. Exactly. I guarantee you, you could find... A absolutely stupendous manager in Quebec, Mm -hmm. a francophone doesn't matter. You could limit the scope as much as you want as as long as it's not former hockey player. And you can probably find one of the best managers in the entire league. And Uh, aside from, from the language like that, that's not even just, that's not a a Quebec hockey issue. That's Mm -hmm. a hockey issue that there people are obsessed with hiring former players. And it's like the, the talk about, Hey, let's, uh, let's, and Patrick Waugh, I'm like, please don't. What, a, what an amazing player. What an absolute winner of a yeah. player. But please, please do not make him like, no. That depends. Like, like, do you want to watch the world burn? Yeah. I mean, that would be pretty be, entertaining. Be I mean, we would have fun. Fair enough. We but would I have fun. always think of the poor players and yeah. actually having to play under those guys. Like, yeah. again, whoever is managing that organization, like, needs to know how to manage i can yeah. just imagine if mark bergevin was the gm when that empty netter went in tonight there would have been like a table <laughs> that flew through the box onto the ice. i will say like i am very unsure about the idea of patrick wall yeah. but i think he'd bring a lot of passion back to the oh, he like, would he would I, and he I, did mature over like, the years yeah, yeah. like he, 
I could. I feel like bringing him in in some capacity is interesting to me, not as general manager. Yeah, I mean that would light a fire. I'm pretty sure, and he did mature over the years. He's not like the the same Roy uh, we knew back in the day. But well, I'm saying that, but I think it was last night or a couple of days ago we got uh, kicked out of the game. So maybe uh, <laughs> we'll have to reconsider that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure how. I'm not sure he has another gear. Like, uh, I agree that if he came back, not as GM, but I also don't know if he'd agree to come back as anything less. Like, he's Patrick Waugh. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I mean, in Colorado, he was the coach, and he still had input on, like, uh, roster decisions. Yeah, well, like he, the, the, uh, he wants to be in charge. Renko because of him. Yeah. And I think he left because uh, Joe Sakic didn't want anything to do with Radulov. That was part of the, the misunderstandings they had uh, back in the day. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Radulov has some issues, but I, I feel like I'd be willing to. He's so oh. good that you kind of you, yeah. you let it go, right? Uh, there was a comment on the chat here. Matt Wilson asks, Mark Bergevin worked for the Blackhawks in 2010. Thoughts? I've, I've given my thoughts on that. Uh, I don't want to get too far into the Blackhawks situation right now because we're kind of having a good time. And yeah. it, it's like I, I've talked about it on the show a couple of times. I think he needs to talk about it. I think the fact that he refused to meet with the media when he was asked is not great. It's a bad look. Mm-hmm. I think in combination with drafting Logan Mayu this season is a really bad look. I think yeah. that he's made some acquisitions in the organization like Nick Cousins mm-hmm. and Sean Burke that have a bad off ice histories. Oh yeah. That it's, yeah. he seems to he have a blind spot after, at the uh... very least. I don't want to imply any guilt in his association there. He was not mm-hmm. mentioned in the report, but I also think it's probably unlikely that he didn't know. And, and then, um, he also went after, oh my goodness, his name's escaping me, the player that Carolina ended up signing. The, Tony uh, D'Angelo. Thank you. Yes. So like, yeah. I, I really, what, what he knew and what he didn't know, there's no way for us to really know. But in terms of like the general issue about hockey culture and about the culture of, especially someone like Mark Bergevin who goes on and on about character, Yes. Yeah. I can't take anything he says about character seriously after drafting Logan's yes, right. like ever. So. But Bergevin has this weird habit of like playing white knight and thinking he can like save a player. Like, uh, oh, I, I'm going to save you. I'm going to rehabilitate you. But it's not your job to do that. It's not your job to give him that opportunity. I think that's where the, the, the misunderstanding lies. He's out there and he's like, oh, I'm saving players. I'm doing the right thing. But no, that's not actually what's happening right there and, and even for logan mayu i don't I, I don't even think he like uh i think it didn't the service to draft him so I, it did. what and are I you even say, doing yeah you like who does he think is worth saving and who does he not right when you yeah. when you look at pk suban and the way that they talked about his character and made him sound like he was a cancer in the dressing room same with max pacioretty but then they look mm-hmm. at someone like logan mayu and say Oh, this is a kid worth saving. This is someone worth redeeming. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't your your judgment of character. I'm not so. <laughs> I don't yeah, buy into it. Not sold on it. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the main thing. Is like they've made these decisions, but who can we point to in the organization that they've elevated? You know. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I remember like the first press conference when they hired Michelle Terry and they talked about how he was going to make uh, PK Subban a better person. I was oh, like, whoa. I, yeah, that was hard to watch. Yeah. I did not. I, that was very, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Not good. That's true. Yeah. So the organization I mean, doesn't exactly have a great record. Uh, somebody saying D'Angelo apparently didn't want to play in Montreal. 
I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was at the trade deadline. I think Bergevin uh, pretty much had a deal to uh, bring D'Angelo in, but he didn't want to come to Montreal. So D'Angelo could have been uh, could have been playing with the Abs last year. In fact, in the last playoffs, that yeah, was before and, even and, Logan Mayu. I mean, I, D'Angelo probably thinks Quebec is like some communist place right? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no way he'd want to come here oh yeah he, he must be pretty scared of quebec yeah <laughs> it's like the students protest over cheap tuition like <laughs> you're telling me i can go to the hospital for free what is this sorcery <laughs> oh man way too funny but yeah i mean i think we're all glad that that, that didn't happen I, i believe there was actually reports that the canadians were interested in slava voinov when he was trying to get back in the oh, NHL yes. as well and that was yes. disputed but i talked to one of the reporters who was very very adamant that there were discussions well i have a colleague at tvs paul who reported that and he he's pretty uh he's pretty confident in his uh informations yeah yeah i think we're ble- we're talking about the same person i believe Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was very confident with me as well when I talked to him in DMs, and he was like, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And the people who are trying to discredit me are carrying water. And I was like, oh, yeah. heavy, but yes, probably. But uh, yeah, there's the character stuff in Montreal is, like, there's some guys, like, I feel like Shea Weber is a guy that you can't knock his character. Like, it's clear that he is the guy oh, yeah. that they thought that he was and the way that the players talk about him. Airbrush. The fact that everyone called him dad. You know, like Carey mm-hmm. Price, absolutely fantastic leader. I mean, we talked in the in the chat before the game, like how tough it is to play in Montreal and the, the spotlight that's on you and the way that uh, media and fans react to things, how tough it is. And like the fact that it mm-hmm. took Carey Price so long to like trip up is incredible to me. One thing I do like about Bergevin, though, is that in this era where like uh, Uh, men sometimes don't feel like comfortable showing their emotion or whatever. He's he's a pretty emotional guy. I agree. And he, he's really very open with his emotions. And I think deep down, he's a good person that really cares about his players. He's made he's made big mistakes. Uh, I'm not going to dispute that. But I think deep down, he's a good person that really, really, really cares about his players. And he cried about his players a few times on air. Uh, he, he showed himself pretty vulnerable countless times. Yeah, I do 100%. appreciate his emotion. I do appreciate yeah. his emotion. Um, I, I, it's hard for me to overlook the treatment of some people versus others. And this is fair. This is perfectly fair too. Oh. Yeah. 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 I think uh, when I try to like look at Bergevin, it's so hard to figure out what his legacy is, right? Because you look at the lack of development through the draft, despite the fact that he said they were going to build through the draft, like, for the first four years of his tenure yeah. and they've developed like Lekkonen, Jake Evans. His legacy, the trades, hmm? his legacy is the trades and his legacy yes. is Shea yes. Weber. That, that's, that's the thing, that's right? The like yeah. you look at the lack of development and then you're like, Oh wow, he's terrible. And then you look at like, he got Phil Deneau for Dale Weiss and Thomas Fleischman. And also yeah. Matthias Norlander was part of that trade. So you're like, okay. Oh, He's a genius. And I think that's yeah. why it's so frustrating <laughs> to cover this team is because there are yeah. moments of absolute brilliance and then yeah. it just gets dragged down. Absolutely. Yep. I just think at the end of the day, when you look at the number of times they've made the playoffs and the number of rounds they've won, like if you, you've got, you've got the one run to the finals and other than that, what do you have? 
they did the the conference finals in 2014 2014 i think they beat the brooms uh, in the second round which was pretty cool i mean uh, yes. suban scored on the breakaway uh, coming out of the box uh, that was, oh yeah that, that was, was under was, his tenure yeah that was yeah, yeah. yeah that was and uh, yeah. then price got injured against the rangers so like that yes theoretically they could have been in the Stanley Cup final twice and, and you know the, yeah the year Claude Julien took over they uh, lost in the first round against the Rangers it was a pretty tight series and uh, obviously Longvis stole the show I think if they went through the Rangers that year it's easy to say they could have made a run too that was a good team back in the day they still had Markov they had the they had the Radulov, Pacioretty uh, they had a couple of great players so I think they, they could have made a run but uh, yeah, his legacy would be uh, the Stanley Cup final, obviously, and and Shea Weber. That's pretty much. Yeah, legacy. and I feel like you even look at that year, that first year with Weber, where they made the playoffs, and maybe if they hadn't spent the deadline acquiring guys like uh, Martinson and Steve Ott, they yeah. might have been a little bit better in the playoffs as well. Yeah, yeah Boy, it's, it's those things. It's that obsession with like big lumbering, mm-hmm. low skill players that I'm like. Why? <laughs> yeah, and it's all. Well, right I will give them that. It worked in the last playoffs. Yeah, it did. It worked in the last playoffs. I have to. But give how them much that. of that was price, though? Right? That's what a I think. And, a lot and of the it, fact but they didn't have any yeah. games like this one, right? Where they massively yeah. outplayed teams and lost. Like I think you look back. Well, Winnipeg, at, Winnipeg, they outplayed them. Like they really outplayed. Them. Yeah, but they didn't lose. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Any, oh, yeah, yeah. I see where you're going. Games, right? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, sure. yeah, that Winnipeg series was phenomenal for the Canadians. Yeah. That was probably the best. It, they were actually like, really tough years. to play against. Oh, 100% they were tough to play against. So, yeah. But uh, does that work in the, in the regular season, though? Because they barely made the playoffs in the weak division last year with that style of play. I feel that that's a style that's really working in the playoffs exclusively, uh, not during like uh, 82 games of regular season. Because you, you cannot physically, uh, I mean, you cannot physically play at that for 82 games anyway. So uh, that, that's why I think you need to kind of change the, the identity of the of the defense because you can't have that style for 82 games because you have to get in the, in the playoffs somehow and they can't do that with the current makeup of the the blue line well and even if that style is working you still need your goaltender to be putting up like a 940 save percentage right because yeah, yeah yeah like you're you're right price was absolutely incredible and i i think it was like before the tampa series his save percentage while the canadians were shorthanded in the playoffs it was like 96 percent, and it's like he was fa- fantastic but like that Obviously can't not sustainable. Yeah. That's no, that's oh, just not help. Wow. Jeff Petrie needs help. Like, oh yeah. I don't know. What do we do? Start like a petition, like get Jeff Petrie <laughs> <laughs> needs help. I feel so bad for him. Every time I see maybe it's because maybe it's from the red eyes in the but ever since, oh, every time I see him, I'm like, nice. the poor guy, somebody help Jeff Petrie. <laughs> like he's all yeah. he's out there all by himself. He looks so he's sad all the times, too. He does look sad. He looks sad, yeah. right? He looks like he's carrying the weight of the entire D and yeah. he's dragging them, kicking yeah. and screaming, come on, guys, out of our zone, out of our zone. <laughs> uh, uh, Petrie really needs Edmondson right now. It's crazy. Edmondson's actually, uh, Petrie uh, has had some problems with a lot of partners over the years, but there's one guy he played amazing hockey with, and it's Edmondson. He cannot wait for him to come back. Yeah, I mean, he, he's had some good times with Kulak as well, but I think Kulak yes, is just not, not a permanent right guy there, right? And yeah. 
he, he's a guy who can jump in in spots. I don't think he fits very well with Sherratt. I think Sherratt's just oh. like a bit too erratic. No. Whereas Edmondson is very predictable. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, he had a very, very short stint with Markov where the two of them were murderers out there. And then they were like, let's put yeah. Markov with Weber instead. But uh, yeah, I, I think Petrie's a great too. player. Yeah, yeah, I love, I love Petrie. I mean, you have to get Petrie going if you want to win games at this point. He's your only potent uh, offensive demon. Yeah, He's it's like it's him yeah. and Suzuki are the two most important players on the team right now. Exactly. They don't get going, you lose. Simple as that. Yep, absolutely. All right, I think we're probably going to have to wrap it up because I've kept you guys yeah. way too long. And oh, that's I really appreciate fun. you. I've had an absolute blast talking with you both today. Uh, before I let you go though, actually, I think we had some rapid fire questions. I should probably get to okay, that because yeah. the discord, uh, sends some stuff. Um, they say, what do the Habs need to do to get the boys to play? I'm, they did play tonight, right? Like I thought they played yeah. really well. Like that's the, yeah. that's the tar, that's the rough Someone thing, needs right? to find whatever voodoo doll <laughs> that like was put, you know, with a Habs jersey into it, pull out the, <laughs> the pins and then maybe. They're not so snake bit. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, I think they need to take the edge of like didn't Carbono uh, like schedule like bowling games when they played really bad. Yeah, but he got so fired bad. like a day after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I guess just play bowling. Take the edge of just don't think about the game too much right now because it's not gonna do you any good. Yeah, they they need to relax hundred percent. They need to have fun. Uh, that I think that's super important right now. They've got a two day break before their next game. They should go out on the town or something yeah just go like, out like, like see a movie i don't know yeah don't think about hockey and approach the next game the same way you approach this one it's gonna be yep. a tougher team because yeah. the golden knights are not very good without their entire top line but they they, they just got to relax a little bit yeah. and stop thinking so much I, I think that they're actually the last three games making a lot of progress it just doesn't look like it via the scoreline uh before mm-hmm. i let you go uh first nicola and then noah tell us what you have going on in hockey right now or where where can people find you well i, I work for uh tv Aspal. Uh, i mostly produce content for the for our website the tv Aspal.ca, so i conduct interviews and and i guess my my niche the niche that i found during the pandemic is uh, interviewing uh, abs prospects uh making them known to uh, to our fans because they don't uh, all have the time and the chance to see them uh w- whether it's live or uh, or online so uh, that's pretty much what I've been doing. I have this segment uh, too on uh, one of our show, uh, which is called JC. Uh, it's called Les Recrues, and we uh, I pretty much debate with uh, Anthony Martineau uh, every week on uh, Wednesdays. Nice. Yep. Okay, cool. Noah, um, I just have I'm a fan, so I have uh, angry ranting on Twitter. Usually, <laughs> anti bearish ranting first, the stuff of that sort, but. Um, I've been super into uh, all the conversation around all the changes that need to happen in hockey. So you've been forewarned. That's probably you're going to find a lot of that. And then a lot Mm -hmm. of laughing at memes and a lot of uh, mix of hockey and non-hockey stuff. My um, Twitter handle is hockey hitchabby. Awesome. Thanks so much guys. And thanks everyone to who came in watched on this Saturday night. It was a lot of fun. We're still having fun on this show, even though the Canadians are not giving us much to work with. Oh yeah. (laughs) It's been a blast.